We look at Revelation chapter 5 as we continue on here tonight. And uh, as we look at Revelation 5, we'll finish up the chapter tonight. You're also going to learn a little bit about my philosophy about music tonight, as well in the message tonight. And some people have wondered that. Some people have criticized my philosophy in music and all that good stuff. And so you're going to see where it comes from tonight. And so as we look in our Bible tonight, if you remember last week, there was, remember they were looking around heaven, who's worthy to open the book? And there was one found that was worthy. His name is Jesus Christ. He is worthy to open that book. And we look down at verse number 7 of chapter 5. It says, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And you notice, just this is a side note here, if you look at the scripture, you notice it's always the right side, right? So when you're on the, the right-handed is really the way God would have it be. And so those of you that are lefties, I heard that technically Satan was on that side and things down. No, I'm just You see the right hand of God is what this book is, and Jesus gets it from the right-hand side. So if you're a lefty in the room, Russ and Caroline, and any other lefties in the room? Christopher, if you, Annette, you are too? You're a lefty? You are too, Keith? I could tell. You can just tell a lefty from a little ways away. And so they look a little... Look a little cooler when they pitch, not when they bat, but when they pitch. But that was just that was just a joke there. So we look at verse number eight. It says, "And when he had taken the book, Jesus has the book in his hand. The four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain.'" And hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and beasts and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands. It's a lot of people. A lot of people. It says, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and wisdom uh, and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the sea and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I say blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. So be it. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth Ever and ever. Tonight I want to take a few minutes and I want to look at this passage I want to preach on and teach on tonight, the new song of heaven. Thank God for the new song. You remember the day you got saved and he put a new song in your mouth? You know what the Bible reminds us of in Psalm chapter 40? I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my going. And verse 3 tells us, and he hath put a new song in my mouth. We look here that we as in heaven will be singing a new song. As we look here tonight, we see that God is getting ready to judge the world. We mentioned last week that that, and I had a few people talk to me a little bit more and be like, well, pastor, how do you know that's a scroll and not a book? It says book. Well, that's what we read last week, right? It said book. And then as we look at our text and we look at these things, there were seals on here. So when you think of a scroll, 
and we don't use scrolls much today, a scroll would be rolled up and there would be a seal placed on it, and that seal is there to keep it closed. So when we think about this book, as we mentioned last week, we think of the deed of, deed of earth is what it really is. And Jesus Christ has redeemed it, and he's bought, it belongs to him. So the seals that are, that are holding that deed closed are going to be released as the judgments on earth, which we'll read about in the upcoming weeks. Chapter 6, verse number 1, the first seal is let loose. And so we'll see that as we go along. So as we look here, in heaven, we're there Lord. The rapture takes place. The crowns are given to us, which means the judgment seat of Christ takes place during that time. And that's for all believers to get not judged on their sin, but to be rewarded for the works that they do and to stand before God and give an account to God for what we do in this life. There will be a time of rejoicing and praising God and giving him crowns. Then we see as everything's starting to unfold on earth, as we get next week into chapter 6, you're going to see the tribulation kicking off on earth. We're looking at what's going on up in heaven after the rapture. Next week, we start seeing what's going on on earth during that time. And what we'll see is the fact that Jesus is worthy and he opens up the scroll. And the next thing that we see is what unfolds before our very eyes tonight. There's a pause in heaven, and heaven glorifies Jesus Christ. And everyone everywhere praises him. You'll notice that in a few minutes. Those in hell praise him. It says it right here tonight. Everywhere it happens. We'll look at that as we get a little further in tonight. In these verses, we see the fact as the Lamb of God takes the scroll, and as he's getting ready to open it, you see that every, the four beasts that represent all of all of creation, right? And then the four and twenty elders, which, which represent all the redeemed people of God. You see that literally we all break into a song to the Lord. We see that right away in verse number eight. that says that we, and look at that. Some of you think you have no music ability. You're going to have a harp you're playing someday. Think about that. And it'll be a heavenly harp, so harp, so make the right music. And some of you, I know you couldn't do the right music if you tried, but in heaven it'll be a lot better, I think. But as we look here, we see the praising, singing. We also see people saying things. And it's a time of worshiping Jesus for who he is. As we look here, we see the fact that we, in verse number 9, and they sung a new song. You realize today that music plays an important part in people's lives. Do you realize that today? From the ringtone that wakes you up on your phone, some of you, to whatever to through the day. And music, you know, you go into a, it's funny, some stores, they'll play music a little faster because they want you to shop a little faster. They even play music a little slower when they want you to take your time in that store. Music drives a lot. Commercials, different things you remember. My kids, you'll hear them off the, the dumb Burger King commercials. BK, have it your way. And you say, how do you know that? Because I hear them quoting it. I don't even watch it. But that little catchy little tune, it just sticks in their head. And some of you, back in your days before Jesus, you have a lot of old music in your head that you'll hear every once in a while, and it comes back, and it just sticks with you for some reason. Music is very powerful, and in all reality, we don't even, at the end of the day, we don't even realize how powerful music is. And I could take days and talk about music in church, and some of you would listen to me, and some of you wouldn't listen to me, and you're still going to do your own little thing there. But I'll just give you some thoughts. 
Growing up, my house, just the way it was, like, uh, I'll do some of these ride-alongs with officers. Haven't done one in a while, but when I do a ride-along with an officer, they're like, what music do you want to listen to? And I just smile. I'm like, you're driving whatever you listen to all. You're the driver. And at that time, it's not my job to do what I would, it's my job to be there with them. And so, you know, because if they ever say, what do you want to listen to? All I've ever listened to is Christian music. And even Christian music, it was a very limited, um, conservative, you know, if there was almost a backbeat in it, if I listened to Southern gospel music, that was like the end of the world. I was a heathen. And some of you, Southern gospel music, you just hear, that's just got a little beat in the background with the guitar playing. Some of you, that would be mellow compared to some of the things that you've listened to. There's a lot that could be said about all of that. And so you say, well, what, what do you think about music? Music's everywhere it is. One of the things I would just be very careful with, music, I'd be careful with it, because what you allow in your head does affect you. And when it comes to music, I'm not going to give you a big lesson on music tonight, but I'd be, you look at our world today, there's a lot of music that has a lot of filth and garbage in it. And I would highly recommend that if there's garbage in the music, swearing, filth, talking about bad things, I would not listen to it. Say, so, well, I love this country song. It's a great song. You, you figure that out with God where you stand on that. And you say, are you against country music? If it's clean and there's nothing wrong with it, if you want to listen to some of it, do what you want to do. That's on you. And if there's other music that you like and it's not bad, but it's the other thing. I wouldn't waste all my time putting a bunch of empty music in my head. As a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, the best music you can pump into your head is music that honor and glorifies God. And you want to help your spirit change? It would do you good to get around good, godly Christian music. And that's a good thing. And songs that honor God, we'll talk more about that here in a few minutes. But I'm a firm believer. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that if we are going to be, he wants us to be filled with the Spirit, right? It says, be not drunk with wine. The verse right before this says, be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess but be filled with the Spirit. And then there's a colon there, which means the rest of this applies. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And I believe one of the keys of being a Spirit-filled Christian is the music that you listen to. I believe it's key. Because if you're filling your head with a bunch of junk, you can't tell me you're full of God's Spirit, right? And you could even, we think back to the Old Testament. You think about David and Saul. Remember how Saul had an evil spirit? And David would play his harp. A harp. See, there's a harp. David would play his music and it would bring that evil spirit out. You know, and everyone's got their own thoughts on this stuff. I know for my parents as an example. And a couple days ago, my parents moved in for a couple weeks. And so that's fun, having my parents at my house. So I teased my mom on Monday after they got there. I said, just so you know. Remember when I was a kid and you used to tell me, this is my house and you're going to abide by my rules? I said, Mom, guess what? This is my house. And you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I just left at that. because I left at that because it wouldn't have gone anywhere if I said anything else. My dad's just laughing the entire time. But my, my parents, my older brother, he's 15 years older than me, had, they had big issues with him with a lot of things. I mean, you could go, and he's, he's not listening to anything I'm saying tonight, so that's good. 
Even in my parents' garage, he would get so mad at them telling him to do things, he would go out there and punch holes in the drywall. And you can still see spots from it out there. And he had a terrible, rebellious attitude. And one day, they just went in his room, and, and this is record days, records. And they looked at all the garbage music he was listening to. They took it out to their fire pit and burned it all with him right there at 15 years old. And I could tell you some of the groups that he was listening to that some of you in this room think are great groups, which they are not, but that's beside the point. And so he, and like that group Kiss, you ever heard of that group? Yeah, that group there, he, uh, he, had, he had a lot of that. They literally got rid of his music. It changed his attitude completely. And I do think that music is important with attitude. And where I said, where you draw the line, I really want you and God to figure that one out. If, if the music is wholesome and fine, but there's really no clear direction in it, I would not fill myself with that. If there's filth in the music, from swearing to sexual things to anything, like, I would not listen to it. Don't care if it's in a movie or anything else, I wouldn't listen to it. And I wouldn't let my kids listen to it. Songs that involve dancing that's kind of dirty, I wouldn't want my kids picking that up either. And there's a lot of that today. That's not what Christians do. We have a new song in our mouth. But where you draw that line, I really think it's important for you to see those things. But I am a firm believer that if we're going to be filled with the Spirit of God, we need to be singing psalms. That's scripture songs, right? From the Bible. I mentioned sometime soon I'm going to get a friend of mine to come up and we're going to just sing scripture songs. Scripture songs are awesome. And it helps you learn scripture. It's a great thing. Hymns. Hymns. And we have hymns in our hymn book right here. Great hymns. And I know some in this room, you're like, hymns? I don't even like hymns. Well, I want you to understand something first off. The hymns mentioned in that verse is not your hymn book, because your hymn book wasn't around when this was written. Songs that talk about the deity of Christ and, the deity, and talk about God and build up God, that's where our hymns come from. And there are a lot of hymns in our, in our hymn book, a lot of great hymns. There are a lot of hymns that I will sing every day that I will not sing in church anymore. And I know some people have said, why are there hymns that you won't sing in church? I'll explain to you in a few minutes. That gives you a little thing to think about. Um, spiritual songs. There are a lot of spiritual songs. I think a lot of our worship music today would fit in that realm. Now, is every worship song a great song? No, it's not. But there are a lot of great ones. And the problem is, and this is what we've got to understand when it comes to music, and each of us in this room have different ideas about music. You could be sitting in here tonight, and maybe because I'm on pain medicine from my tooth, I'm going, I'm laboring on this when I'm like, I really just need to keep moving. But for some reason, I'm staying right here. Or it's the spirit of God, the other spirit from that pill I took a little bit before church to make my mouth calm down a little bit. But I don't care if you don't like new songs and you only like hymns or if you only like new hymns, new songs and you don't like hymns. I really don't care because your opinion doesn't matter. God's opinion matters. It's a song to him, not to you. And uh, we would do well. Many people, I know of churches that literally have 10 different worship services so you can pick what style of worship you go to. I don't think in heaven there's going to be 10 different spots. Now, oh, you just like the old hymns? You go stand over here and you can just sing the old hymns to God. Or you just like the new contemporary worship songs? Then here's your little spot here. And you don't like either of those? You're more of a southern gospel fanatic or you're more of this? It's not going to be that way. That's not the way it works. Worship is to the one 
who deserves to be worshipped. And when you and I are picking and making it about what we like, and people even pick churches based on how they can, what they sing. I'd be much more worried about what the doctrine is of the church than what they sing. But normally, if their music is pretty good, their doctrine is going to be pretty good. It kind of goes hand in hand. There's a lot more I could say there. But we need to be filled with God's Spirit. We need to sing spiritual songs and be singing. It's a good thing. The Bible talks about Colossians 3.16. It tells us, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So we look at this passage. I'm going to give you a few points. We'll be done tonight. Number one, we see who's singing. Who's singing? Look at verse number eight. You'll notice some people are singing and some people are not singing. Some people are saying. There's a difference between the two. So who is singing in heaven? Let's look at verse number 8. It says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sung a new song. So the they that sung, who are they? First of all, letter A, it is the four beasts and the four and twenty elders. They are the ones that are singing. Now, as we look here, we see that the beasts and the elders, the elders represent the redeemed people, are the ones that are singing. The four beasts represent all of created life. And the four and twenty elders represent all that have been saved and redeemed by the Lord, which means we will have a song to sing about, right? If we've been redeemed, right? You have a song to sing, we have a song to sing. And as we look at this, we think about the fact they're there praising God. Now, as we think about this letter, we see, what are these redeemed ones doing? What are they doing up here? Well, as we look, every time we see them in Revelation, and when they're before God and they see him, they're offering him love, praise, they're offering him worship. And you see there on the notes, it just has verses there without the actual verses there, so you don't even know what those verses say. Go to Revelation 4, verse number 10. It says, The four and twenty elders, representing the redeemed ones, fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You look at chapter number 5, we read verse 8 already. We skip down to verse number 14. The four beasts say amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. We go to chapter number 7. And look at verse number 11. And, the, and, the, and all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God. We go to chapter number 19. Go to Revelation 19. And look with me at verse number 4. Revelation 19, verse number 4. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. So what do we always see the 24 elders doing? They are always worshipping God and falling on their face before God. That's what they do. When we're in heaven, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be worshipping Jesus. That's what we're going to do. But let me just remind you tonight that now's a good time to get started with that. If you can't worship him today, you're going to do it in heaven. Why not start doing it now? It should be a part of our lives today, bringing praise and honor to him. And we think about what the Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, verse number 5, By him, let us therefore offer 
for the sacrifice of praise to God continually. What is it? The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Psalm 107, 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Hey, church, let's worship him and praise him today because when we get to heaven, that's all we're going to be doing. When we see the elders, they're always falling down and worshiping him. And I tell you this, when you see Jesus and you see after all that he's done and what he's done in our lives, that's all you're going to want to do. And it will never get old being on your knees before him. And thank God your knees will never get worn out doing it. That's an awesome part too. You know, Sonja, you won't have to have that pillow to put underneath those knees during prayer. I see that. I'm thinking to myself, I might have to get one of those for myself. During our prayer time, she's kneeling over there. I'm kneeling over here. But my knees get hurting after a while. And she never moves. I'm like, she's got a pillow. That's very smart right there. In heaven, no need for a pillow. We'll be able to stay on our knees for hours upon hours worshiping him. So as we look here, we look at who's singing. And we see what we're going to be doing. Then let her see. What did they use to worship? Well, as we look here, the first thing that we see in Revelation chapter 5, back in our text, it says they had, first of all, one of them, and it says every one of them harps. There were harps. It's an instrument of praise, and it's an instrument of prophecy as well. The harp was used to accompany the people of God as they praised God and as they would sing his psalms. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 6, verse number 5, And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of firm wood, even of harps and on psalteries and on uh, timbrels and on cornets and cymbals. Oh, there are cymbals used. Do you see that right there? But don't, don't use any cymbals or anything like that today because that's not how you worship God. God doesn't like that. But they used them in the Old Testament. little thought there. Bible tells us in Psalm 92, verses 1 through 4, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings, upon a psaltery, upon a harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy works. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. Bible tells us in Psalm 150, verse number 3, Praise him with the sound of the trumpet, Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Now as we look here, you see that in the Old Testament, when worship would take place, instruments were used. And that's why I'm grateful for instruments. You say, well, why don't we have more instruments? Because not any of you play them. Start playing more instruments. We'll have more instruments. I'm all for more instruments. That'd be great. Russ, get out that accordion again. And you can go... Russ supposedly can play a mean accordion. That's what he says. I've never heard it, but he says he can, right? Oh, saxophone. Okay, I, I was thinking the, the chess club is more of an accordion. But anyways, okay, so a saxophone. Bill Clinton and Russ play great saxophone. So anyways, and uh, there was instruments used, and we see the harp. Harp was also mentioned when it came to prophecy. And in 1 Samuel 10, verse number 5, it says, And after they had come to the hill of God, where the garrison of the Philistines, and it came to pass, when thou art come thither to the that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. Elijah prophesied while a man played a harp in um, second, was it second Kings three verse fifteen? 
and I don't think we have that verse up there. And then also in First Chronicles 25, verse number 1, talks about the fact, moreover, David and the captains of the host separated to the service of the sons of Asaph and of Heman and of Judathan, which should prophesy with harps, with psalteries, and with animals, and the number of the workmen according to their service was. So what did they use to worship? What are we going to use to worship? We see harps. Next we see these uh, golden vials full of odors mentioned right here. Look at what our text says. It says, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. It's really interesting to me. We look there, it mentions these instruments of prayer, these golden vials full of odors. And do you know that prayer is a form of worship? Did you know that? It is. And that's why when you pray, it shouldn't always be about you and what you need. It should be about your God and who he is. That's why when we have our prayer meeting on Sunday, on Wednesday nights earlier tonight, we always start with adoration, then thanksgiving. Long before we ever mention anything we need, we lift up the Lord. And there are times in our prayer meeting where we get 20, 30 minutes in, and we haven't even asked God for anything. We're just lifting him up and praising him. And I don't think we ever make a mistake just lifting up him and worshiping him. But as you notice here, we see that these worshipers come before the Lord with all the, it says, look at what it says there, Let's, which are the prayers of saints. So think about it. There have been a lot of prayers made to God for a long time, hasn't there been? Going back to the Old Testament, have you prayed to God? Yeah, have you prayed to him? I think as we look here and we see this, as we pray to the Lord that he hears our prayers and he saves them. And he literally fills these vials. These are full of all the prayers that have been made for all this time. That's why when you pray, it doesn't go in one ear of God and then he forgets. He literally saves it. You know, how many of you people, I'll, I look today and back in my emails, and you, you'll look back and there's like emails that you've saved from a long time ago. And there's a few that I've saved from, and I read through those the other day. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize I saved those. Did I save them a couple? I did a couple of my deleted but there are lots of things that we get rid of. My parents on my birthday, my voicemail. I've got like three voicemails saved. So my parents on my birthday, they call and they are crazy. I should just play it for you all. But if they ever heard that I played it, I'd probably get in trouble. So they both sing happy birthday on the phone every year. So the past three years, I've saved it. It's the only three messages I have on my phone. You say, why did you save those? Because there's going to be a day where they don't call on my birthday. And so I've got it there. I just do. I, it's special. It has a place in my heart. There's messages Caroline sent me. There's things that I've given to her. There's cards. She's telling me when we were dating, I used to, and you know, when you're dating a girl, you do crazy things, right, guys? And you, you got to try and reel them in is what you got to try and do. And so I would oftentimes, in 3 by 5 cards, I would write her a, a note on a 3 by 5 card, often. We were on different bus routes on the weekends in Chicago and on Days, I would get her a little snack in the afternoon, and there'd be a three by five card. You probably have any idea how many three by five cards you have? You have them all in the book. There's a ton of them. Why did she save them? They're special to her. Think about this. God literally saves your prayers. And yet we take prayer so for granted. 
and don't even pray when we should. And God takes our prayers and saves them. Think about, you know, the model prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He's getting ready to answer that prayer right there. It's an awesome thing to know that your prayers and my prayers mean so much to God that he literally saves all of them. And they mean that much to him. It's just a blessing to know. And we think what the Bible tells us about prayer. 1 John 5, verse 13 and 14 tells us, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and he saves it. That's a blessing. James 4, 2, and 3 says, Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, and may consume it upon your own lusts. As we look here, we see that the Lord stores our prayers. So we see the fact who's singing. It's the four beasts and the four and twenty elders. All the redeemed people of God and those beasts that represent the created beings. Number two, what are they singing about? Well, it talks in verse 9 and 10. It says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. You see, now you think about it. People down here sing songs about every little thing, don't they? You know, some of those country songs, they lost their dog, lost their wife on the same day, things like that. Or, you know, there's songs about just about anything. People will create songs. Well, every once in a while, we'll watch um, America's Got Talent, and then you'll hear people, and there's, there's some crazy, th- and there's some funny things on there, then there's some things I don't want to see. But you'll see some people create, like this guy a couple weeks ago, made this song for his dad that passed away. And he gave the story of how his dad passed away and how when he has his son now, he says the same words to his son that his dad said to him and his dad lives on. But it was his own song. It was an, orig- an original song. And we all sing things. That's why sometimes there'll be certain songs that are sung and they resonate more with certain people because it kind of fits your background and your past with some things. And we sing it. But when we get to heaven... And when we are there, you know, and that's why, you know, we talk about, you say, Pastor, and I had, I've, had, I've had a lot of conversations with people through the years, over the past several years. Why, why are you so selective and why do you sing, why do we only sing these songs and stuff like that? I had a few people say the pastor shouldn't pick what songs we sing in church. And I let that go in one ear and right back out the other ear. And so, but you say, well, why, there are a lot of great, like hymns, there are a lot of great hymns, you know. The Church in the Wildwood, I've been saying that one in a long time. That's a catchy little song. But tell me how that lifts up Jesus. It talks about a church, and it's a good song to sing. We sing a song, Mansion Over the Hilltop. Is that lifting up and praising Jesus, really? No. It's talking about our mansion. Is it a bad thing to sing about? No. It's a great thing to sing about. But what we've done here and what my goal is when we sing, our music is to lift up and praise Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that because I don't sing every hymn in the hymn book that they're not bad. They're good songs. 
You should sing them in your personal life. You should sing them often. When we have favorite songs, great time to sing those things and things like that. But when we get together for corporate worship, my belief according to the scripture is, I want to do what we do right here, what we're going to do in heaven. We're going to lift him up. There's a certain, if you notice the songs that we sing and the way I do our song service, it's more lifting up praise to him. That's the direction I'm going with it. And it doesn't matter if it's a new song or no. And this is the thing. There are people out there I love. I grew up singing hymns. And some of you in this room, you don't like hymns very much, and you are missing out on some of the best music that has ever been written. I love hymns. They're awesome. And just because they're older and maybe not as catchy of a tune, they're awesome. And the words in them, they're great. But then also there are some new songs that are so rich in lyrics and bringing honor and glory to God. They're awesome as well. But then there, you can go down both spectrums. There's a lot that are just there that are not bad. But in church, what I want in our worship here and our singing to the Lord, I want all to be lifting him up and pointing to him. As we look here, we look at what were they singing about. First of all, letter A, what are we going to be singing about? we are singing about the worthiness of Jesus. It says right away, Thou art worthy. The song of heaven declares the worth of the Lamb of God. He is the focus of the song. And that's where we get in trouble sometimes. And we hear it a lot. A lot of newer music will hear this too. It's a lot about how I'm feeling and all of this. And when we're only singing about how we're feeling, we're not lifting up the worthiness of Jesus. And we're missing what it's all about. Now, is there anything wrong for a song to touch our heart that has that? No, there's not. And praise God for a song that will touch your heart and you have that conviction that's there or that song really touches you in your worship. That's wonderful. But we need to get away from us and be about him in our worship. That's important. And as we look, we see that he's the object of their praise. They lift up his name because he's worthy. And Jesus is worthy of our praise today. It's still okay to say amen. It's still okay to say hallelujah. It's okay to give glory to God. He is still worthy of it. And thank God for it. He is worthy of our worship tonight. My songs like, To God be the glory, great things he hath done. We sing that one often. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. We sing that song often. Why do we sing a song like Amazing Grace? Because of, it lifts him up. He saved us. We were blind, but now we see. We sang it two weeks ago, or this last Sunday. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? He is worthy of our praise and should be behind all. And then not only were they singing about the worthiness of God, but let her be, they were singing about what he did for them. And that's what we should be singing about. That verse number 9, the rest of it says, For thou, hast, that for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And you think about what the Lord has done. They were singing because the lamb was slain. That word slain means to be butchered. It brings into our mind, like the song we sing, Oh, praise the name, I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. Another song we sing, what he's done. All the honor and the glory goes to him because of what he's done. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 52, verse number 14 says, as many as were punished at thee, his 
age was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. You couldn't even tell he was a man after all that he went through. Isaiah 53, verse 4 through 6 tells us, Surely he hath bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet did we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way, and the Lord hath laid on him, on Jesus the iniquity of us all. We sing, and then when we're in hell, we're going to be singing about how He's worthy of our praise. We're going to be singing about what He's done for us. And that's why it's so important not to forget about what He did on the cross, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, with the old rugged cross. There are a lot of churches that want to do away with songs about the blood of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. But without what Jesus has done for us, we wouldn't be going to heaven anyways. And in heaven, we're going to be singing these things, and we need to continue to be singing these things today. We're going to be singing about His worthiness, singing about what He has done for us. Thank God for it. May I just remind you, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. It's a good thing to sing about the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm glad some new songs even still put the blood in there. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. The blood should be sung about because we're going to see him and see all that he's done and thank God for that. And what we see is the redeemed of God are all singing to him. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy for all that you've done. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for all that you've done. You did all So you are worthy and we're all going to be singing praise to him. But that's not all who's going to be saying things at that time. I've studied this passage millions of times. And I don't know how I ever missed this. And I know some of you in this room, you're like, Pastor, you just missed it because of your, your brain. I saw it a long time ago, and you told it because you missed it. doesn't mean I missed it because I, I got this one here. You keep on reading what it says, and we get to number three. Not only will the redeemed be singing, but all creation is going to praise. Look at verse 11. It says, And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice. So the angels aren't singing. Do you know you don't find in the Bible a place where the angels sing? They say. Angels don't sing. Now there are people who have lots of different ideas. Why? And you know, you got the minors and majors in music, right? So some say that since angels don't go through, through all the struggles and the highs and lows like we do, that's why they don't sing. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not much of a music person to figure that all out. But they don't sing. What do they do? So, as we, and we'll get there in just a minute. Keep on reading. It says, They are saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now, look at this. This is the part I've missed always. And it's right here. And every creature which is in heaven... And on the earth, and under the earth, every person that will be in heaven at that time, everyone on earth during the tribulation during that time, and everyone in hell, everyone everywhere. That's what that says right there. It says, and such as are in the sea, those that have died, right? Gone to hell. All of them that 
them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. We see number three, all creation now praises him. Let me see that angels praise Jesus. Verse 11 and 12 there. Angels and those in heaven, what there's how many people it's going to be. Did you know the largest number known to the Greeks was 10,000? They couldn't go any higher than that there. So John says it's as many as you can imagine times that many again and many thousands more besides that. It's a number so big you can't even fathom how big this number is. And what are they going to be doing? They're going to be praising their creator. You'll notice we, the redeemed ones, sing to him. You'll notice that they are saying here. Now, when they came to the birth of Jesus, in um, Luke chapter number 2, verse 13 and 14, it says, And suddenly there was an angel, um, and suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and singing? No, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It's an interesting thing to note that angels don't sing, they say. Now, there's one place that people will say that maybe the angels do sing. That's Job 38, verse number 7. And it says, When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. The morning stars there sang. Literally, that word for sang there means to shout out and give a ringing cry. So, you take what you want to of that, but we see the fact that the angels are saying, we're redeemed, we're singing that new song to him. Then letter B, and lastly, we see that all creation... All created beings praise Jesus. Well, in heaven, we're all singing praise to him and lifting up Jesus. The earth is still busy ignoring Jesus. Not only is the earth ignoring Jesus, but I think all those in hell are ignoring Jesus. But when the worship breaks out in heaven, every creature in the universe, do you see this here? Every creature in the universe Every person in hell that said they would never, that Jesus meant nothing to them and they would never turn to Jesus. Or that swore on his name and wanted nothing to do with him. Hitler, unless he got saved at some point, Hitler will be there. There will be others there that are, Judas will be there. The man that's been, the rich man that's been in hell all these years, he is there. And at all at one time, all that are in heaven, all that are here on earth during the tribulation time, and everyone in hell, everyone everywhere, with one mighty voice will be saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Do you notice they don't praise him or worship him for redemption? Because they're not redeemed. They are acknowledging that Jesus Christ is who he always said he would be. That's why the Bible tells us in Philippians 2, verse 9 through 11, it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Someday, everyone above, here, and below will all acknowledge the fact that Jesus 
Christ is who he said he was. The high priest of Jesus' day will stand there and say, Blessing and honor. And Pilate, if he never got saved, Pilate will be standing there saying these things. Herod, all these wicked men will be standing there praising him for who he is, but missing out on the redemption that comes. But you'll notice that at the very end, 14 says, those four beasts are going to be like, amen. All those people are like, Jesus, blessing and honor, you are who you said you were. What are those beasts? Amen. Yeah, that's so. That's how it is. And then what are we going to do? Look what it says. It says, and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Every one of all people that have never, never given God the credit or given him the glory, they're going to. And we're just going to be in heaven, falling on our knees, worshiping him once again. He is worthy of our praise. Oh, what a God he is. All that he's done. Church, he's worthy of our praise tonight. He's always worthy. Let's lift him up. Hey, in your own person, instead of singing those songs that have no meaning and no worth to the Lord, why don't you just sing more about him? It would do you good. Sing praise to him. I was thinking about singing a few songs tonight, but we're almost out of time. We've got five minutes, so we're going to sing a couple songs until that five minutes is 